Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. This week, we're focusing on the economic situation in the state of North Carolina. We've talked uh, a great deal about the uh, challenges that um, 75 counties have that are not a part of the real growth areas of the state that would include the uh, uh, Piedmont Crescent and Greenville and Asheville areas and Wilmington areas. Uh, A couple of things that are kind of interesting to me right now is the fact that uh, North Carolina seems to be a place where a lot of retirees are looking. Now, where are they locating? Yeah, so we are a very attractive state to people that are um, thinking about where they want to retire to, and many of them are, are coming to North Carolina uh, we see it all across the western mountains of our state. I think many of, of, of most all of those counties have a pretty strong second home ownership um, segment. They and and also uh, retirees that are that are moving in to retire. Our coastal communities also are seeing that. Uh, I'm sure we experience it in 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 other parts of the state, including in our urban areas. But we see a lot of it from a rural perspective across uh, the western mountains of our state, uh, the foothills and the coastal um, communities. And because we have such important military presence in the state, we're seeing a lot of retired military people coming back to North Carolina who served here at one time or another. And a lot of military people that come out of the military and want to stay in North Carolina. You know, we have the largest concentration of military any place in the country except for, you know, the Northern Virginia Pentagon area. Um, And we sometimes forget how important and how vital that sector is to our economy. Uh, And, you know, as we look forward, we have a a real workforce challenge in our state in terms of making sure we have enough workers to fill the jobs that are being created because we've been so good at growing businesses and bringing new businesses in. And veterans, um, people, former military people that are still in the workforce, uh, but past their military service are a really important part of that future workforce um, that industry is particularly um, eager for. We're well positioned to take advantage of of that being um, uh, one of our strategies for making sure we meet the the workforce challenges going forward. The other thing we've really got to do as a state is regardless of veteran or, or not non-veteran, all of us have to uh, think about uh, the reality that we live in a world where we all must be lifelong learners. Chances are we're going to change jobs multiple times across our working careers, unlike you know a couple of generations looking back where, like my parents, you know, spent 30 to 40 years in, in a in at one in in one job and with one employer, those days are largely gone. And um, we've got to be thinking about lifelong learning and every citizen, regardless of how old they are, uh, we need to be thinking about how do we get them to the highest levels of educational attainment that we can get them to. We uh, alluded to this earlier, but one of the problems that the state is going to have as far as budgets and needing funds is in the area of transportation. Of course, the growth areas have a yeah. problem because they are going to have many more cars, many more uh, people trying to access transportation. And uh, the uh, building roads in those areas is quite expensive. 
Right. But for those uh, 75 or so counties that are um, in this uh, area that you are serving, transportation is awfully important. Where do we stand on that? How many, what uh, is the state holding uh, its own as far as building new roads and providing the transportation that will help these uh, 60 to 75 counties continue to grow? Well, I think we've made some real progress. There's a lot of work to do. And I'd say, you know, we got a lot of catching up to do. Um, we've got to figure out um, new funding streams, new revenue streams for transportation as we look to the future, particularly as more and more of our vehicles on the road are electric vehicles and, and not gas powered. We still have a revenue structure that is very dependent upon uh, a, a gas tax that is declining in terms of what it collects every year. And that's and we know that we're going to continue to see that. So we've got to address the revenue side of transportation. When it comes to the projects themselves, I think the state has done, uh, we've done a good job of getting major transportation corridors that reach into all parts of our state. Um, seeing those, those corridors upgraded, many of them going from former U.S. highway status to future interstate quality status. That's incredibly important when we think about future I-87 from Raleigh to Norfolk, um, and we think about 74 from Charlotte to, to uh, Myrtle Beach uh, that runs across southeastern North Carolina, um, I-74, I-73, a number of those uh, just incredibly important corridors in terms of connecting people to work, um, to, um, you know, the metropolitan areas to each other. And they're running across uh, the most rural parts of our state. And, and that's going to be a big help. The other transportation concern for rural communities is safety and maintenance. Uh, we've, we've built roads for a long time in this state, and uh, we've built bridges for a long time. And many of them, just like our water and sewer, are at the end of their lifespan. They're going to need to be replaced. Uh, and that's and that's a really more of a concern in a lot of our rural communities than, um, you know, the new road building is just making sure that we have safe and uh, modern uh, roads and bridges uh, serving our rural communities. Another aspect that's really exciting is the recent announcement of the development of the S-Line that eventually will provide high-speed rail from uh, Raleigh to Washington, D.C., running through um, Upper Eastern North Carolina up to, to Richmond. Uh, it also is going to provide, a. a it's going to make um, the Triangle and Richmond um, a lot closer to a lot of rural citizens in both states, in North Carolina and Virginia. It's going to enable us to move quicker between point A and point B, and that's vitally important. And I don't know that we really fully understand just how important that's going to be as roads are, are very crowded, uh, more crowded than they probably um, ever been. I know when I travel back home to Allegheny County, I can tell a difference in traffic in the last couple of years. And, and you know, the, the slow times that I used to pick to travel aren't so slow anymore. Um, but it's a big issue facing our state. And uh, it's a it's a issue that um, has a, a real rural dimension to it that that we've got to think about. We've got uh, 
uh, we had I had very high hopes for the uh, the uh, airport system that was built uh, and has been built in, in Kinston. Yes. Of course, there's another one about the same size. It has about the same potential uh, in uh, my hometown, former hometown of Laurenburg in Scotland County. Uh, those uh, seem to be developing slower than I thought. Bring us up to date on uh, what you think uh, the prospects of those facilities adding to the growth in those areas. Well, I actually think that's a pretty encouraging picture. Um, we're, we've seen a lot of investment in upgrading a number of those small airports, many of them uh, located in rural communities. Also, those, those smaller airports that are um, closely um, located, for example, the, the airport in Sanford, um, the, uh, in particular, is distinguishing it. it. They're able to take that smaller plane traffic away from RDU Airport. There's the airport in Stanley County, Albemarle, for example, is able to take some traffic away from the Charlotte Douglas Airport. And that just um, alleviates some of the pressure on those large um, aviation hubs. Um, it is great, you know, if, uh, if planes are, are based, uh, they get taxed where those planes are, where their home base is. And that's a, um, a, a very good tax base for a number of our rural communities. But I think we can be pretty encouraged with the amount of investment that's happened at some of those smaller airports over the last five, six years. We've seen some significant lengthening of runways, um, you know, um, adding additional amenities to some of those places. And some of them are really strategically well located to do quite well. Well, of course, one of the concerns that industry always has when they look in, especially some industries that require a lot of water, uh, are we in pretty good shape as far as water? Yeah, I, I believe we are. You know, we're blessed in North Carolina. We are a water-rich state. We've never had to worry too much about water shortages. We do have, you know, we have certainly had periods of drought at times that have um, that that do cause problems. We've done a lot to address that um, through interconnecting systems so that we can actually move water around um, when. Um, when we face times when when water tables start running low, but we're a water rich state. That doesn't mean we always will be. Um, it's a resource we need to protect and we need to to guard really closely and and take care of. It's interesting in the way our state developed is that the people have where people have grown is not necessarily where the water is located. Um, and so, you know, a lot of our urban areas are at the headwaters of some of our uh, uh, major water uh, basins. And, and so that's something we've also got to be mindful of. Um, I think we'll in the future, we'll probably see issues that we'll need to address around interbasin transfers, um, tr transferring water out of one river basin to another uh, to balance um, out supply and, and demand. And what are the rules? I mean, that can get really messy really quick, and it's things we're going to have to grapple with as we look to the future. Uh, the, uh, I guess one of the questions I want to ask you about is the population drain and how do you keep young people uh, and attract uh, leadership to the rural counties, especially some of the, uh, say, the 20 smallest counties in the state? 
Yeah. That's got to be a serious problem. It's a it's a challenge. And I, I think what you got to do is really, number one, those counties have got to be really able to understand what their what their local assets are, because every community, no matter how small, no matter how economically distressed, they have assets. And it is those assets you build upon those. And, and that's what, you know, enables you to um, to grow and, and move forward. And th- those communities don't aspire to be um, a major urban center. That's not their aspiration. That's not what the people who live there want. And I guarantee you the people that live there love their place uh, and they love it more than any other place on this earth. That's why I used to have a lot of people that would come up to me and say, and I'd always ask people where they're from or where they grew up. And a lot of them would say, oh, you've never heard of my hometown. It's in the middle of nowhere. And I've gotten in the habit of always telling people, no, it's not the middle of nowhere. It's the center of the universe for you and for the people that live there. And that's how important that place is to the people that live there. Um, wh- what we've got to do in those uh, the, those places that face those challenges of population drain is make sure that we understand what the local job opportunities are. And we've got job opportunities, no matter where you are in this state. Uh, we need school teachers. We need healthcare professionals at all levels, from the most advanced uh, to you know um, to um, entry level healthcare positions. Uh, we've got um, a need for the trades, uh, and there's really good businesses to be built uh, in the trades, um, even in the most rural parts of the state. And we really need to understand what those opportunities are. We're so fortunate to have the North Carolina Community College system in this state because everybody, no matter where they live, is in pretty close proximity to a community college. And they're going to be vitally important to these small rural communities. Great time to break, uh, Patrick. Uh, And we're going to shift to some other topics in our final segment. Patrick Woody, president of the North Carolina Rural Economic Development Center, is our guest. We have one final segment. We're going to focus on health care and some other situations right after we take time out for these messages. Victor deployed for the first time to Afghanistan in 2003. At four in the morning, my phone rang. They said, I regret to inform you that your husband was wounded in action. Victor sustained a moderate traumatic brain injury. I was doing school full time, and I was also then caring for Victor. One of the most important elements of caregiving is taking care of yourself. I just didn't want to forget that I also had goals and that I also had a life. What I did is I challenged Victor to meet me halfway. There are almost six million military and veteran caregivers across the nation. We have our own journey and we can fulfill that journey at the same time that we are helping our loved one. Visit aarp.org caregiving for a free military veterans guide to navigate your caregiving journey and better care for your loved one and yourself. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Don't you wish your life came with a warning app? Stop. That dog does not want to be petted. (laughs) A heads up before something bad happens. You should not send that text. Uh Uh-oh. Life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome, but prediabetes does. With early diagnosis and a few healthy changes, you can reverse prediabetes and prevent or delay type 2 diabetes. To learn your risk, take the one-minute test today at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. 
Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. We're focusing on the economic growth situations of the uh, roughly 75 counties that fall outside the fastest growing 25 counties of North Carolina. Patrick Woody is our guest. He's the president of the North Carolina Rural Economic Development Center, and that is exactly what that organization is uh, charged with as far as uh, providing leadership. Uh, one thing we want to get out of the way before I forget, and this is according to Bill Holmes, who's works with you. We did perhaps give you the wrong email address for one of the uh, help uh, uh, so, uh, help organizations. So let's get that out of the way right now. Yeah. So uh, Thread Capital is is uh, the lending subsidiary of the North Carolina Rural Center that does direct loans to sm- to small businesses. And I incorrectly stated our um, our website address, please go to threadcap.org. Threadcap.org. Thank you. And uh, Bill, uh, thank you for calling that to our attention. Um, and we want to talk about health care because this is a major concern uh, of those who are living in some of the more rural counties. Uh, broadband uh, might provide some relief in that area because uh when you have broadband, you have more access to health professionals in other areas. So broadband and healthcare may go hand in hand in many respects. They certainly do. And as we look to the future, that's going to be even more the case. Um, broadband infrastructure is essential to a lot of things. It's essential to us being able to educate ourselves, being able to take care of our healthcare needs. Um, and also, if you're going to start and grow a small business, you're going to need access to broadband infrastructure. Uh, but when it comes to um, um, to healthcare, you know, rural communities uh, we face unique challenges. We're an older population, significantly older uh, than the than the population of our urban and suburban counties, um, and we have to be mindful of that. Uh, we, um, y- you know, we need to think about the health of our healthcare delivery systems in rural areas and proximity to hospitals. We have um, medical deserts uh, that affect in uh, some, uh, there are actually all 100 counties of the state of North Carolina have medical shortages in one, in some category of medical professionals. Uh, in a, in a rural communities, we have multiple categories of medical professionals where we have a shortage of providers. And so uh, those are job opportunities. Those are future career opportunities for the young people living there. Um, but that that will be um, that will be a challenge. You mentioned earlier the importance of the community college system, but also, the university system is also providing a lot of aid and assistance to Absolutely. rural counties through their research. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we're excited about um, the, um, uh, you know, how, uh, you know, five of those 16 public university campuses are, are truly rural uh, universities. Uh, some of those have, have been growing quite well and, and, um, uh, and doing quite well. Um, we're really proud of the work they do. I would also say, you know, we're blessed in this state. We have a pretty broad network of independent colleges and universities that also have a pretty big rural footprint uh, at some of those uh, small private colleges and universities. And collectively, all of them together 
position this state very well um, because no matter where you live, you're in close proximity to a community college or to one of those um, uh, public or, or private universities. I'm going to jump back to healthcare one more time and ask the question, what do you think the real solution is to providing great health care in the most remote areas of the state? Uh, broadband, of course, certainly is one. Are there other programs that you're working on? Well, the most significant one that's happening right now is Medicaid expansion um, and the rollout of, of that. Uh, as I understand it, it's you know it began December 1st. Uh, the General Assembly um, and the and the governor and and everybody got on board with Medicaid expansion. That opens up uh, the possibility of health care to, to about 600,000 North Carolinians that um, are uninsured that'll be able to access uh, Medicaid. Um, and the sign up, as I understand, it's going quite, quite well. Just getting to uh, to the decision to expand Medicaid is only part of the battle. the 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 battle now is is twofold. One, um, it's making sure that the people who are eligible know they're eligible and actually get signed up and take advantage of that, uh, because it's really important. It, it will save tons of money in the future. The better people take care of themselves, and the younger uh, they are when they start. Uh, taking care of themselves and then maintaining that across a lifetime. Uh, and so we want to make sure and we, we have the ability to look at uh, on a county by county basis, where do we have eligible people? Where are they signing up? Where are they not signing up? And, be, and to be able to um, shift resources to make sure we're getting people signed up. And my hat really is off to Secretary Kinsley and the job he's doing at DHHS uh, and the leadership that him and his team is providing in getting us up to speed as rapidly and as efficiently as we possibly can. The second big part of the challenge is that workforce challenge. We've got to attract uh, future workers into the healthcare space um, and uh, in, in virtually any category you want to talk about and supporting um, uh, our institutions of higher learning uh, in expanding and in taking on more students and in training more students and being able to do that is vitally important as well as making sure that the students are moving into those careers and those pipelines and understand the opportunities that exist there um, because we we face some real provider challenges in in um, in virtually every rural county in the state now, I understand that uh, also the Medicaid expansion may have uh, an, uh, help for some of the smaller hospitals that were facing closing. In fact, even some that did close because There's, now they will have additional funds coming in. There is no question. One of the greatest challenges uh, and the reason for many rural hospitals closing down across the country, we, it is not the, the amount of charitable care that has been delivered through our rural, well, every hospital, but you know, particularly our rural hospitals uh, who take care of people that come through their door because they, they need health care uh, and aren't able to pay for it. That, that volume over the, the last several years has been growing. It's not sustainable. Medicaid expansion absolutely helps address that immediately. 
will uh, begins to make that easier and makes it less likely that we will lose other rural hospitals. And and let me just say, of of those 600,000 uninsured in North Carolina, that number is disproportionately rural people. And um, and that's another reason why the decision to expand Medicaid was so important to rural North Carolina. Well, all all of the things that we're talking about, uh, eventually the solutions come down to funding. So let's turn now to your legislative priorities, maybe a touch on some of the things that occurred in the last session, but things that you're looking forward to as far as uh, new programs or new funding aspects that may help uh, existing programs. Well, in, in, we've t- uh, on all the issues we've talked about, we, uh, you know, from broadband infrastructure, transportation, water and sewer, um, housing is one we haven't talked too much about, but is another major um, category. You know, we've got in place really robust funding streams because of um, uh, ARPA and and other um, uh, funding that's come through the legislature and from the federal government. We have unprecedented amounts of of kind of money flowing through the systems that's going to build those, those types of infrastructure. And the biggest concern we have is making sure they're working for smaller places, because we know that that uh, getting uh, the getting that those dollars to the smallest of places in the state is the biggest challenge that we will have. That'll be the hardest part of the work. And that's the part we're going to be really focused on. It's making sure that that funding and those programs are working for the smallest communities in the state. So that's our our big priority is is seeing what tweaking needs to be done um, in those funding categories, uh, particularly the infrastructure funding categories. We're continuing to really beat the drum of our small business policy agenda, and we have some work to continue doing on that. We want to make sure that business owners that are borrowing money uh, are able to play on a level playing field. We think it's only fair and reasonable that a small business owner that is taking out a loan, that they are able to understand the cost of, of, of the capital that they are borrowing and that that is uh, disclosed. Uh, and that's one of our priorities is a bill that would make sure that non-regulated lenders have to uh, uh, disclose the annual percentage um uh, rate uh, of loans to small business owners. We think that is, uh, 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 we've seen some really egregious situations around small business loans, uh, often hitting business owners when they are most vulnerable um, with, um, with, with pricing that is not, that is not clear to the, to the business owner themselves. Um so that's kind of what you know. We're we're looking at a short session. So this short session year is a year where we go back out to North Carolina, rural North Carolina. We talk to leadership, we have conversations, and we'll be looking at building our our um, advocacy agenda for the long session that'll start in January of 2025. So it's really a, it's a period of. Uh, checking in um, and making sure we understand what the priorities of rural North Carolina is and making sure we're ready to go to work to make those things happen. Well, one of the the things that I'm hearing from economists is that we can probably expect some easing in interest rates 
uh, during the next year, probably not quite as rapid as a lot of us would like to have, but uh, at least uh, some uh, opportunity there. And of course, as we have often said, uh, the support of the legislature is so important. But generally speaking, it seems to me the legislature understands that uh, a chain is only as strong as its weakest link and helping the small markets is very important to them. I think so. I think that is I think that is an accurate statement. You know, I think the priorities in terms of health, they they could have done a lot of things. And, uh, and a lot of states, I think, have made some bad decisions with how they've used one time federal money. But I think our state has done a really good job of, of picking the priorities of how they want to spend that 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 funding. And I think it's going to make a big difference for rural North Carolina. Patrick, thank you so much for being with us. Patrick Woody, president of the North Carolina Rural Economic Development Center. You can find out more information about that organization online. Uh, Our program, of course, has been produced, as always, by Jason Kong, a new father, we might add. Uh, So congratulations to to Jason. And uh, he, of course, has promised me that he will have another guest for us next week. If you'd like to hear a repeat of this broadcast or share it with a friend, you can go to carolinanewsmakers.com. That's carolinanewsmakers.com, and hear the entire broadcast or selected portions thereof. We will look forward to being back with you next week. So till next week, same time, same station. Have a good time. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.